All right, let's take our Bible this morning and turn to Nehemiah chapter number 6. Nehemiah chapter number 6. And if you'll follow along with me, I'm going to uh, read a larger portion of Scripture, then we'll talk about it. Uh, verse 1 down through verse number 14 is one section. Uh, so let's read this. You read uh, in your mind, and I'll read out loud for us today. Nehemiah chapter number 6. Now when it was reported to Samballot, Tobiah, to Geshem the Arab, and to the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and that no breach remained in it, although at that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, then Samballot and Geshem sent message to me, saying, Come, let us meet together at Shepherim in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm me, so I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave and come down to you? They sent messages to me four times in this manner, and I answered them the same way. Then Samballot sent his servant to me in the same manner a fifth time, with an open letter in his hand. In it was written that it is reported among the nations that Geshem says that you, are, you and the Jews are planning to rebel, and therefore you are rebuilding the wall. And you are to be their king, according to these reports. You have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you. King, uh, um, reporting you. You have also appointed prophets to proclaim in Jerusalem concerning you. King in Judah. And now it will be reported to the kings according to this report. So come now, let us take counsel together. Then I sent a message to him saying, Such things as you are saying have not been done, but you are inventing them in your own mind. For all of them were trying to frighten us, thinking they will become discouraged with the work, and it will not be done. But now, O Lord, strengthen my hands. When I entered the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deleah, son of Methabal, who was confined at home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple, and let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you, and they are coming to kill you at night. But I said, should a man like me flee, and could one such as I go into the temple to save his own life, I will not go in. Then I perceived that surely God had not sent him. But he uttered his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Samballot had hired him. He was hired for this reason, that I might become frightened and act accordingly and sin, so that they might have an evil report in order that they could reproach me. Remember, O oh my God, Tobiah and Sanballat, according to these works of theirs, and also Nadai, the prophetess, and the rest of the prophets who were trying to frighten me. In these first 14 verses, uh, I want to call your attention just to the flow and the logic of this text. If you're looking at your Bible, look at verse number 2. You should see this uh, phrase where it says, the enemy speaks here and they say, come let us meet together in verse number 2. Come let us meet together. And then you'll want to look again down in verse number 7. You will see the exact same phrase where they say, come now let us take counsel together or let us meet together. 
And then a third time you will find in verse number 10, as he goes to see this false prophet, the same repetition, let us meet together. And so I find it interesting that last week we talked about the Lord's Supper from 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. And we talked about how it said over and over again, come let us meet together and let us meet together. And that for the body of Christ and for believers, we are always supposed to meet together in unity. But when we come to this text that is in front of us, we find that there is great opposition for the children of Israel. There is opposition for Nehemiah as he leads God's people to rebuild this wall. And uh, Samballat and Tobiah and Geshem and the rest of all of these enemies, what they're really trying to do is lure Nehemiah away from Jerusalem down into the plain of Ono. And as you can see, I was messing around in your bulletin to say, it's time to say no to Ono. I know, a little cheesy, right? But I do find that uh, today's text teaches us, and we'll get to the latter portion of the chapter as well, But this portion of Scripture helps us understand, as it did with Nehemiah and uh, Israel, so also with the church of God and the individual components that are made up, all of us here today, that there are times in our life where we will be facing opposition. We will have enemies. We'll have those that want to tear us down and ridicule us and hurt us. There will be times when uh, corporately as a church that there will be people that don't want to see us succeed. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, I don't have an enemy in the world. Well, I assure you, as a believer, you have one great enemy that you cannot escape, and his name is the devil. The Bible says in the New Testament that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. And that the enemy, the lion, the devil, that he walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so all of us as believers, are facing opposition in our lives. And this text today helps us as we see and look how Nehemiah faces the opposition against God's work as so he does so we can do in our own life as well. And so I just want to make a few brief points for us today so that as we live our life for the Lord Jesus Christ and as our church continues to share the gospel in our community and around the world that we know how to face opposition in the right way. Here's the first point if you're keeping it today. Good works beat pointless talks. Good point or uh, good works always beat pointless meetings, meaningless meetings. You see what's going on there in verse number 2. Samballad and Tobiah, they say, Come, Nehemiah, come on down here to the plain of Ono and have a meeting with us. We'll meet over at Starbucks at Ono. and We just want to talk to you. and We just want to fellowship with you. We want to see how the work is going. We've heard good things about what's going on there in Jerusalem. And we just want to meet and have a big powwow with you. What does it say that Nehemiah realizes? He understands in verse number 2, but they were planning to harm me. And so what does he say? He doesn't attack them. He doesn't run over them. He doesn't cuss at them. He just simply says, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should I come down to you and leave what it is that God has called me to do? 
And so I want to say to all the believers that are in this room and all of the members of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and even if you're visiting with us here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, when it comes to facing the enemies in your life, when it comes to facing the opposition, whether that be human opposition or whether that be the powers of darkness, when they call for you to come down to pointless meetings where no good is going to come from it, where all that's going to happen is they're going to run you down and make fun of you and make you feel sorry for being a Christian, the best thing that you can do is say, I'm not going to leave the work of God. I'm going to do what God has called me to. I'm going to walk on and live for Him and do what Jesus wants me to do. Come hell or high water, you do what you want to do. I'm going to serve God. The best thing you can do, some people, sometimes believers come to the office and you're so frustrated and you're crying and your heart is hurt and the reason why is you've been listening to all of the ridicule, you've been listening to all of those people that want to run you down and put you down. Listen, leave them where they are and keep doing the work of God. In the words of that great biblical scholar, Tom Petty, I will stand my ground and I won't back down. Now everybody in this room has got Tom Petty running through your mind, right? There come some times in life, especially when we talk about this opposition that is against us, and especially when the devil is trying to run us down, we must stand our ground, we will not back down, and we will stay faithful to the work of God. Do it in your life. In your Bible reading, in your prayer life, in your giving, in your witnessing, there come times where the devil will beat you up, where people will tear you down. Don't listen to all of the naysayers. Keep doing the good work of God. Keep loving Jesus. Keep loving each other. Keep on doing what is right according to the Scriptures, and God will win the battle for you. Say no in the plain of oh no. There's no good that comes from those meetings. I've told you before, old Bill Bailey laughs a little bit at me. If you ever want to criticize me, please, for heaven's sake, don't write me a, uh, don't write me a letter that you don't attach a name to. If I get a letter in the mail and there's no name on the, on the back side of it or there's no return address, I chunk it in the garbage. If you don't have enough guts to tell me who you are, I'm not going to listen to you. And, and it'd be good for you in your life to have some similar kind of uh, way about you. You don't need to listen to all the criticism. Now certainly there are times in our lives where people that love us and care about us, they want to sit us down and help us and there might be some stinging criticism that needs to take place so that our hearts and lives can be changed into Christ. But if there comes these meetings where all people want to do, and you know some of you have family and all they want to do is tear you down. They never cared, not one hoot when you were lost, but you got saved, started loving Jesus, giving you tithe, walking with Him and the next thing you know, you know you're at church way too much. You got no time for us. You don't need to listen to all of that. Be gracious, be kind, be loving. But you don't have to listen to garbage in your ear. It'll end up running you down. What's Nehemiah do? Nehemiah says, I'm doing a good work for God and I'm not coming down there. And you know what else Nehemiah says here? Nehemiah understands that they had plans to hurt me Wake up, Christian believers. Some of you just walk around 
you know, just dilly-dally around life and then all of a sudden you get a right cross with, uh, from somebody. You need to be perceptive. You need to have wisdom and prudence. And you need to understand when people are trying to help you and when people are just trying to hurt you. And when all it is is hurt and pain and wickedness, say no to it. And keep doing the work of God. You want your spirits to be up? Do the work of God. When you feel down, when you feel alone, go do the work of God. Stay by the stuff. You walk out of here today, this is the message for you today. Keep on keeping on when it comes to walking with Jesus Christ in your life. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't quit on it. Stay doing the good work. Let all the naysayers say whatever they want. Do right. Let me make a second point to you today. When you do get in a confrontation with the enemy, do what doesn't come natural. Do what doesn't come natural. I used to watch this uh, sitcom. Oh, y'all ever seen that sitcom King of Queens back in the day? And the, and, and the grandfather in the show, Arthur. I'm watching this one episode one time and he goes to this, he goes to this little uh, diner to eat and he's sitting there and he gives the craziest, wackiest advice you can probably, possibly imagine. And he's sitting there and the waitress comes up and, uh, and she uh, asks him for some advice and she uh, then starts telling all of her other friends, hey, you got to ask Arthur for advice. And he's getting a big head. He thinks he's, man, he thinks he's hot stuff. He's just giving all this advice. And then he overhears the waitresses talking and they're saying, listen, Whatever he tells you to do, do the exact opposite and you'll succeed. We're all a bunch of Arthurs in this place spiritually. And left to our own devices when it comes to opposition and enemy and problems, whether it's with the devil or whether it's with a family member, if you operate according to what you think is right, you'll end up going the wrong way every time. But what God wants you to do is when you're faced with opposition and an enemy and a frustration or some sort of relational issue, just do what doesn't come natural to you. Look back down at the text. Let me show you that. Look at uh, verse, number, verse number 8. He said, Then I sent a message to them saying, Such things as you are saying have not been done, but you're inventing these in your own mind. Do you know why he says those kind of heavy words? Because they are accusing Nehemiah of making himself the king. And when it comes to opposition, the first thing you and I really want to do in our life when we get in a fight is to say, I told you so, I'm right. I built this wall. I'm the one that's telling everybody what to do. This world wall wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. And you want to build yourself up in your own eyes. And what does Nehemiah do? He says, let me tell you something. There is only one king of Jerusalem and he's not come on the scene yet. And he will come and die for the sins of the world. And he is the one true king, the Lord Jesus. I'm not the king. And when you get in opposition, when you get these confrontations and these fights and these relational issues and, and there's frustrations there, the very first thing you need to do is not build yourself up to be king, but to put yourself down. What did John the Baptist say? He must increase and I must decrease. What did the Apostle Paul say? Let each esteem others better than himself. When you're in an argument, it's not about winning. It is about being understood and bringing reconciliation. 
And sadly, many of us, when we get in these confrontations, we get in these frustrating situations relationally, our first place to go is to protect and defend ourselves and put ourselves on a pedestal. What does Nehemiah do? He says, listen, I'm telling you, I'm not the king here. Would you say that? If you were faced against Samballot and Tobiah and Geshem, or would you put yourself on your high horse and say, I'm the one that's built this wall. Now you listen to me. You have to do what doesn't come natural. First of all, you have to be humble. How are you doing with humility in your life? What's your first reaction in opposition? Is it to fight? Is it to defend yourself? Protect your self-image? Or do you come at those situations with open arms and open life and saying, good night, I sin and I fail all the time. And if I've done you wrong, I'm sorry. In opposition, we must have humility. Secondly, in opposition, we must encourage other people. That doesn't come natural, right? When somebody says something to you that hurts, is your first reaction to build them up? You're a sorry preacher. Hey, I love you so much. Aren't you special? Nobody does that. Oh, yeah, well, you're stupid. You know, that's what I want to say. The inverse is what we do. We build other people up. Look what he says down here. Nehemiah's heart is not about protecting his own image, but it's about helping the people of God. He says, um, he says to them, uh, they are trying, look, they are trying to frighten us, not just him. He will say that they're frightening, frightening him, but he's saying, look, to the body of Christ, they're frightening us, thinking that we will become discouraged with the work. And it will not be done. And he is speaking truth into the lives of those that are building the wall. And I want to say to us, not only in opposition must we be humble, but we must seek to build other people up that are around us. When we are starting to be discouraged, use that as an opportunity to encourage other people. And to lift them up. I'll tell you one just little basic practice that I do, um, trying to give you some applicational points to take away. So when somebody, uh, when some, when I feel like I'm being attacked, a lot of times if I'm, you know, in a discussion through email or through text or even personally, I try to use redemptive language with the people that hurt me the most. So what does that look like? Um, I'll write them. I'll write an email back, and I'll just I'll include a prayer over them. I'm praying that the God of heaven would cause His face to shine upon you and your family today. And I know that you're upset at me and I, I surely have done wrong in places. But I love you and Jesus loves you. And uh, I'm going to accept the forgiveness that is at the cross for my sins. And I'm going to pray that God would have His work and His will in your life. And uh, I know that He loves you. And I know that He cares for you. I pray those ways. I email those ways, I text those ways, I write cards those, that kind of way. Your first reaction, right? Your first reaction is to come at somebody. Let your first response be the inverse of that, to build them up, to encourage them. I have found in my life that sometimes when people are mean to me, that it's not so much that they're mad at me, but there's something that's hurting underneath. 
And if I can absorb some of that pain for them and come back alongside and lift them up. Galatians chapter number 6 says, let us bear the burden with one another. And sometimes the burden is pain of loss and all kinds of things going on in their hearts and their lives that you don't know about. Lift them up, encourage them, and come alongside of them. Can I just a little time out for a second? I want to say for our members here, our people, When somebody in the life of this church rubs you the wrong way, don't let your first, your first response in your mind be, they did that because they hate me. They just wanted to be mean. They're looking for an opportunity. Maybe your first response ought to be, man, I'm, Lord, I'm not sure what's going on in their life. They're, they're not normally like that. And it did sting, Lord. It, it, it hurt. And, and I'm going to deal with that. But I, I know them. She's a good lady. He's a good man. And I'm going to stop and pray for them. And you know what, Lord? I'm going to call them this week. And I'm not even going to call them to chew them out. I'm going to call them to encourage them and love them. How many times would we keep arguments from happening if... We responded inversely to the way we want to. With humility, with encouragement, and with prayer. Look back down at the text, verse number 9. How does Nehemiah handle it? But now, oh God, strengthen my hands. Is that how you respond in opposition and problems? Do you respond with prayer or do you respond with gossip? Us visiting a lady one time uh, and she said to me in a, she thought it was humorous um, but she said, you know when I used to be over there at the church something happened, boy I, I was the one, pastor, I'd be burning those lines up you know, talking about calling people and gossiping your pastor was very calm. I have a pastoral look sometimes. I can put it on. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, hey, you're going to burn up hell. That's what's going to happen. But I didn't say it. I did not say it. I promise you. Shame on us if that be the case. Hey, don't, don't do that. You know, your first line is not horizontally to other people. When you're in the middle of an opposition, the first line is the line to heaven. Where you're praying and seeking for God's grace in your own heart and in the grace in other people's heart. When you're facing an opposition of the devil and you feel like he's making everything in your life go wrong right now, the greatest thing that you can do is to pray and seek God's help. I hope you'll receive that today. I, I don't know how to drive that home to you anymore. But don't, don't gossip. Go to God with your problems. In your opposition and in your battle, pray. I just want to put this in your lap as a point of application. This last week, did you pray 10 solid minutes? At one point, just at any point in the week, did you pause anywhere and just stop for 10 minutes and, and really pour your heart out to God. 
and ask Him to make you more like Jesus. Ask Him to strengthen your own hands. Ask Him to take away the wickedness of your heart and to put a heart of a soft heart inside that would love your family and love your church and love your friends. Did you ask God for those that have been hurting you that He would strengthen them and help them and restore? Just 10 minutes in the last week. Me and you together. If we have to say, man, I was so busy this last week that I didn't pray for 10 solid minutes. I want to encourage you to do that this week. All right? Let me make a third point to you from the text and we'll move right along. So in verse, uh, remember I told you that in verse 2, verse 7, and in verse 10, you see that repeating phrase, let us meet together. So in verse 10 he says, when I entered the house of this uh, Shemaiah, the son of Deleah, I'm not going to read those again. I had trouble pronouncing them the first time. Uh, this dude's a prophet or he's a false prophet, so to speak. And what I find interesting here is, did you notice that in those first several verses, Nehemiah says no to going down there to the plain of Ono, but to this guy, he actually went to his house. You know what, I, as I was reading this week, several scholars are saying the reason Nehemiah wasn't a fool, he didn't just somehow become stupid after he had perceived that Tobiah and, and Samballad and all these other guys were the enemy. I think what's going on in this text is that this false prophet happened to be a close personal friend of Nehemiah. And he actually, because this guy is close to him, he says, oh, okay, well, I'll come down to your house. I'll come down there and I'll listen to you. And I think what that tells us here from this text is that there are times in our life where we not only face opposition from the devil and the powers of darkness and from those outside, but there are times where we even face problems and opposition and frustration relationally from inside close personal circles. And even at the very end of this chapter, you find that there are people within the body of Christ or Israel itself that are going to end up having problems. And we have to be careful about the way that we listen to even those that we respect. Now here's a point that I would like to make for you. That is, beware of bad advice. Beware of bad advice no matter who it comes from. This is a prophet that comes down to uh, Nehemiah and he says, Hey, listen, let's go into the temple of God and look at how Nehemiah responds. But Nehemiah said in verse number 11, Should a man like me flee? You see what he says? I'm, God called me to this responsibility and this task. God said, I want you to build this wall. I want you to lead Israel back. I want you to restore the kingdom. And now this prophet is saying, let's run, let's hide, let's get away from Samballat and Tobiah. And Nehemiah says, who am I that I should run from the work that God has called me to? And how many people in church life and in your own individual Christian life, you keep running and running and running from one church to another church to another church and you'll never find the perfect place. You have to find a place and get in line and toe in the same row and love Jesus and do what's right and don't flee the work that God has called you to. Look what he says down here. And could one such as I go into the temple to save his life? You think Nehemiah is going to make the same mistake that King Saul made when Samuel didn't come on time and he went in and felt like he could be the priest and make the sacrifices? Nehemiah says, oh no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do what's wrong. I'm not going to do what's convenient. I'm going to do what's right and what God wants me to do with my life. Beware of bad advice. 
When people give you advice that doesn't come from the Word of the living God, don't listen to it. I mean, there's some advice, right, that's good that doesn't come out of the Bible, like, you know, hey, don't buy that house that was built on a pit of snakes or something, you know? I mean, that's not a... Right? Gentlemen, don't buy a car without asking your wife's permission. Gentlemen... Don't buy a semi-automatic rifle from a gun and knife show without running that by your wife before you go. I'm not saying I know that by experience. I'm just saying. That could be something that you would want to talk about. Also, don't buy a TV without talking to your wife about that. Um, Beware of bad advice. You know, I was was somewhere this past week, and I looked on the wall uh, at at this business, and you know what it said? It said, uh, follow your heart. I I really hope that you won't get too mad at me. That is really, really, really unbiblical. That is not good advice. If you follow your heart, you'll end up in hell. Because your heart is desperately wicked. That's what the Bible says. Your heart is selfish, just like my heart is. And if you follow your heart, you'll always do what you want to do instead of what God wants you to do. To thy own self be true. To Jesus be true. Bring your heart to down. Pause and say this. Bring your heart to Christ. Come to the cross and see that Jesus died for your sins and he was buried and on the third day he rose again to pay for your sins. And if you put your faith and your trust in Christ, he'll save you. When you die, you'll go to heaven. Be careful about following advice that is not biblical advice. No matter who it comes from. Sometimes I watch the news, and y'all know me, I don't get into the political scene a whole bunch, but you ever notice how, isn't it dawn, doesn't it dawn on you how, oh man, I can't use the word idiotic, but it's just crazy that, you know, they'll put some Hollywood actor on there that's got, you know, zero political experience, but they've got a word to say that all of us should listen to. <laughs> you don't need that. Follow the Bible. Follow biblical advice. Let me uh, read these last verses and um, we'll move on for today. So the wall, verse number 15. So the wall was completed on the 25th of the month, Yule, in 52 days. Isn't that a great building project? When all of our enemies, circle it now, heard of it, and all of the nations surrounding us saw it, they lost their confidence, for they recognized that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Let me pause there and give you a next point here. Live your life, and this church must live our life, so that people hear and see God in what it is that we do. Not so that people are enamored and inspired by you, 
So when they see what we do, whether it's building a building in 52 days, whether it's this upcoming weekend at Vacation Bible School, that when all those children are here and we're preaching the gospel to them and we're seeking to move into our neighborhood and we want God to save people, we want our church to grow, we want God to do things that when people see and hear, that they see and hear that God has done something here. Not all of our cute tricks, but that God really is in this place and they will lose heart, they will lose confidence, our enemies will. Is that how you live your life? Trusting and obeying Jesus every day so that when people see your life, they see the handiwork of God? Let me, uh, let me end by this. Go back to uh, verse number uh, verse number 9. I'm going to trace this with you. Here's a theme. You can read it this next week if you like. But you see in verse number 9, he says, they're trying to frighten us. Then you drop down to verse number 13. He says um, that Samballot and them, they did this, that I might become frightened. And then you see there in uh, verse, number, um, verse number 14, the end, uh, that the prophets who were trying to frighten me. And then if you'll end the whole chapter in verse number 19, it talks about that uh, they were trying to frighten Nehemiah. Here's what I want to say. When we follow the Lord and we listen to Him and we're obedient to Him, the world around us may be trying to frighten us. But we can have confidence and we don't have to fear them. And God will cause their hearts to have fear when we simply obey and follow Jesus. Is that how you're living today? I want to encourage you. If you're a believer and you're a part of this church, don't live in fear. Live in faith and be obedient to Christ. And He will conquer all. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior and you're not fearful, you should be. Because there will come a day where God will judge the world and He will judge you for your sins. And if you have not come to the grounds of the cross and pleaded and begged for Christ to take His atoning work, His, His uh, sacrifice on the cross and take your sins away, you'll die in your sins and forever perish in eternal judgment. But on this day, if you'll humble yourself and come to Jesus and ask Him to be the Lord of your life, He will save you. Is this the way that you respond to opposition? I hope that it is. I finish by just telling you this. As a church, I want you to pray every day this week. I can already feel it here today. I've already had multiple people talking to me in the last couple of days about how they can feel the powers of darkness fighting. God is going to do a wonderful work this coming week and this coming weekend in Vacation Bible School. We have a team directly after that that's going to Boston to do mission work there. And the devil doesn't like it when God's people are doing the Lord's business. Pray, seek the face of God. And be faithful to Jesus until the end of days. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?
Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And here's what I'd like all of you that will be working in Vacation Bible School in various ways, in just a moment when we stand, would you come to the front and stand with me? We want to have a prayer dedication at the end of the service. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is the day to lay down your weapons and to trust Him. Nobody looking around. Stay right where you are. This is the time to do business with the Lord. Say, Steve, I'm not sure how to become a Christian. Right where you are. Talk with God. Confess to Him that you are a sinner. And that you want to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life the rest of your days. You say, the person sitting beside me, I'm so nervous about that. And What do people think? And you know when He's working on your heart. Come to Him now. I, would, I wouldn't die and go to hell for anybody in the world if I were you. And some of you under the sound of my voice, you're, you're just begging to get out of here. And you know once you get in that car and you get up on 440, what's going on in your soul will move away. And you'll chalk that up to emotionalism. And you'll force him out as long as you can. But it might just be that the next time you hear the gospel, your heart won't be so sensitive. Trust Him today. Would you stand with us? Sing this song together. My Vacation Bible School workers, please come meet me at the front. Sing with us. Take up thy cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. Brothers and sisters, these folks that have joined me down here today and uh, many others that aren't able to be with us here today will be serving in Vacation Bible School uh, this coming Friday. I believe we start at 6.30. Is that correct? We start at 6. 5.45. Yes. And uh, they will be working uh, most of the evening on Friday, long day on Saturday, and a great day on Sunday. They're going to they're gonna put in uh, many teachers and workers and security and all kinds of things, folks working with crafts. They're going to work very, very hard. And, uh, and so I want to have a prayer of dedication. And what I'd like for is, as I pray out loud for all of our workers today, would you just silently pray in your hearts? Would you pray, uh, and maybe an aggressive prayer, that God would bind the powers of darkness?
uh, that God would save the lives of children and that God would do a wonderful, wonderful work this coming weekend in all of our lives. Would you pray alongside with me as we dismiss this service through prayer? Our Father, we knew come to you now, and I pray for all of those that stand with me today and all of those that will be a part of this coming week at Vacation Bible School. We pray, Lord, that you would bind Satan for a few days. Lord, that you would uh, show us victory, that you would conquer evil. Lord, that you would go out many, uh, I think, almost 3,000, maybe not 3,500 door hangers have been put out in our community. Calls have been made. People are visiting. People are inviting. Lord, we're doing everything we can. We're going to place it in your hands. And I pray that this coming Friday that you would just bring a great spirit of love and grace and peace into this place. That you bless all those nervous hearts. And God, that you would work upon boys and girls. That they might hear about Jesus. That they might be saved and their lives be changed forever. We pray toward next Sunday as well, Lord. As certainly moms and dads and visiting children will be in our midst. I pray that they would receive a warm welcome from the body of Christ here. And we pray that they would hear about Jesus. Who alone saves and changes lives. Father, certainly there'll be kids that will come here whose parents are hurting, probably on the verge of divorce. And they might be children that will be uh, beat at home. Lord, it is a nasty, bad world. And there will be people that will be hurting. And I pray that you give us the strength and the power to minister. And that the Holy Spirit would do a wonderful work. We love you. We thank you for this day. Help us to be your hands and feet in our community. For it's in the name of Christ we do pray today. Amen. You're dismissed.